It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, and the captivating memoir, Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. Today, if you desire, is Free Advice Friday, the day that I will take your calls and answer your questions. I'm devoting this show entirely to narcissistic abuse, and I've been doing this for several years. So if you'd like to call in, the number is 424-220-1801. I'd love to hear your questions or comments, and as I'm speaking If you have any thoughts, you may want to just call in and share them. I have had uh, one person actually send me a question. And we'll see how many people actually can relate to this. So the question is, what do I do if my alienated teenagers have physically attacked me? Hmm. The thing is that the only way to deal with these kind of situations is to set boundaries and have consequences for reinforcing, for uh, crossing those boundaries. So if you have set these boundaries, which I'm assuming you have, and they cross it, you must go through with the consequence. Now, I always say when you're setting consequences for boundaries. At first you set soft consequences and then you make them harsher and harsher to the point where I think the last consequence would be, I'm never going to talk to you again. I'm, I'm going no contact with you. Get out of my life. So I'm not sure exactly where you are in this boundary setting thing. But obviously, these kids are crossing your boundaries. I also don't know how often you are seeing your teenagers. If they're visiting you, if you are coming up to them and they're attacking you because they don't want to see you. You know, the alienated child is a very confused child. And they have had their memory of who you are as a good parent erased. So, They don't see you as the good, loving parent. They don't see you as having good intentions. They see you as someone who is trying to harass them, someone bad who has done bad things to them, who is trying to harass them. And so while they will definitely lash out verbally, I think once they begin to lash out physically, you have a very serious problem. And that cannot be tolerated. So it needs to be discussed. Now, if your children do this, there's a couple things to do. First of all, you never react to it because they want you to react. 
So I don't know how badly they have attacked you. I don't know how badly you've been hurt. But get up and walk away. Don't react. When they are respecting you, when their behavior is good and respectful, that would be the time to acknowledge it. Let them know you really appreciate that kind of behavior. If you're really being attacked, if you're really being hurt, that's assault. And I don't care who that person is. If they feel entitled to do that, then you have to call in the police, call in authorities, and have a report made. They have to know that this is not tolerable. So there's a lot that I don't know in this question, but I'm trying to answer it the best that I can. The bottom line is you don't allow your teenagers, alienated or otherwise, to attack you. There has to be consequences. If they live with you, then you take away their electronics. You take away the things that mean a lot to them if you can. But when you say that your teenagers are alienated from you, it tells me that they're probably not living with you. So I'm not sure exactly how this confrontation came about. In order to talk to and see in person alienated children, this is a very delicate situation. So you never want to show up in front of them when they're not ready for you. There's ways to coax them back back to you if, if they will come back to you. In many cases, they won't. But their anger and frustration is so intense, and you are the target of all of it. So you have to be very careful. You've got to get help in navigating this process. Because everything about it is counterintuitive, which you think you should do, you should not do. And getting children back, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Often it is the attorneys that can help you if you have the right ones. I usually guide people through a process of leaving before they actually do it so that they can create a scenario where they don't get alienated. Their children don't alienate them. But this goes on all over the world. It is rampant. It is epidemic. There are attorneys. There are counselors. There are lawmakers all trying to get these laws changed to stop this problem. But it is a huge problem. Is anyone out there dealing with parental alienation or alienated children? where you feel like your children have turned against you? If so, call me, 424-220-1801. So we're heading into Valentine's Day. And Valentine's Day is about love. But I talk a lot about love and self-love and the proper way to love and the proper way to be love. I've, I've done shows on that. So today, what I really want to talk about 
is loving and appreciating the child within. This is not psychobabble. We do not grow out of our childhood. If we suffered abusive childhoods, neglect, any of those things, we don't just grow up and have them go away because what we learn during those years is what we apply to life as adults. So there's always this inner child. There's always this young, in my case, it would be young Randy, my child, that is looking up at you and saying, please rescue me, please, somebody, please rescue me. And you couldn't do it then when you were a child, but you can do it now because you're an adult. And you can let that child know that you are not going to let them get hurt anymore in the way that they've gotten hurt in the past. And there are clear indications when our wounded inner child is crying out for help. The sorrow and the pain that we feel when this child calls out to us is overwhelming. But when that feeling comes up, it's so painful. We don't want to suffer the raw emotions. So our tendency is to block them, to do everything we can in the moment to shut that down. We run away from the pain. Some people stay busy all the time, sun up, sun down, leaving very little time to feel it. Right now, during this pandemic, we are having to face so many things about ourselves that we never had to face before because there's nowhere to run. And so you may be suffering a lot during this time because if your mechanism for resolving the pain is to run away and mask it and you can't, you may be feeling pretty low right now. Some people try to numb the pain with drugs or alcohol or other compulsive addictions or behaviors. So what we're in effect doing is we push the child away. We try to stuff it down to a place where we can't see or feel it anymore. But denying, suppressing, hiding the parts of ourselves that make us uncomfortable, these are defense mechanisms that prolong our suffering. Choosing to remain unconscious about what is going on within you only allows the wounded inner child to take control of you and overpower your will. If you think about it, if you think about the things that you're thinking, and often the inner child is the subconscious mind. So uh, later on in the show, I'm going to recommend two meditations for inner child work. And basically, they talk about the inner child being the subconscious mind. Obviously, we cannot change what happened in the past. We can't go back, and we cannot get our needs met by those who who were incapable of doing it in the first place. 
we can't immerse ourselves in our supreme being, God, hoping that he or she will magically release us from the pain of our past. Many people think that prayer is going to solve this problem. It does not. It does not. Because this is a challenge that is put before you in your life that is here for you to work through. And if you don't, if spirit was just to step in and make it go away, you wouldn't learn, you wouldn't grow, you wouldn't recover. So there's no shortcut to doing this. There's no magical way to make this pain disappear. You must go through it and come out the other side. Some people think that they try to overcompensate by being exceptional, wonderful human beings, giving human human beings that we think if we are so good, then everything is going to change for us, that the past is going to go away, that the people in our lives are going to love us and care for us, that the parents who we thought loved us and are now beginning to realize are abusers, that if we're good, if we try hard enough and long enough, that they're going to come back to us at some point. That's magical thinking, Pollyannaism. It's not positive thinking. It's magical thinking. Positive thinking is great if you... If it's not delusional, it's okay to think in the future, this is what I'm going to have. In the future, this is what I'm going to um, manifest. It's good to have a positive outlook. But having an outlook where there is no proof or possible solution to the problem and just holding on to it, this is delusional. If the facts are before you, if you've read everything you can read about narcissistic abuse and you get it, you know what happened to you. It may not feel good. You may not have connected the psychological and the intellectual, which is what happens when you read a lot about narcissistic abuse. You intellectually get it. Emotionally, you do not, because that's on a very subtle level. It's on a very deep subconscious level, and it's programming. And so you can't get to that part, but your logical mind, your intelligent mind can understand this. It's just that you can't integrate the two of those things together. So you may understand this, and if you do, if your logical mind is telling you in every possible way that this is not going to happen, then holding on to that is magical thinking. The past is the past. There's no way to undo what was done. It's not going to magically change or disappear. And our past is there to teach us It's a life lesson, not a life sentence. So it's okay to remember your past. 
we want to remember our past. It's our story. It's the story of us. Nobody's story is going to be like us. So it's really important that we remember it. But the difference when you heal from this is that you remember it with no emotion attached. You can think back, okay, yeah, that happened. I get it. But you don't feel that gut punch feeling of what you felt when you before you healed, when you don't really know how to deal with this feeling emotionally. The time comes when we have to claim our adulthood, accept our past, uh, take responsibility for healing the painful emotions associated with our past. And if we want to rid ourselves of these feelings once and for all and become happy and whole, we have to face and own the parts of ourselves that we don't like, the parts we don't want to deal with. Again, if you'd like to call in and talk to me, the number is 424-220-1801. I'm talking today about the child within. We all have one. That child does not go away just because we become adults. The child is still tugging on your shirt, tugging on your pants, clinging to your leg, and saying, please help me. Because the child remembers. The child hangs on to everything that has ever happened. They accumulate all the memories that you experienced. The pain, the sorrow, the grieving. They still are grieving and feeling this pain. We allow all these accumulated woes to exist in that inner child. That never goes away. We may have manipulated that child. We may, not, we may have ignored that child. But the time has come to acknowledge that child, to acknowledge the presence of that child in you. And when you do, you will begin true healing. And the pain of your past is going to eventually go away because what you're going to be doing is building a relationship with that child. And initially, when you approach that child, they're not going to trust you because they don't trust anybody. They're not going to trust you. There's been many, many years where you haven't even acknowledged that child. So at first, it's not like you're going to just tell this child, well, I'm sorry this happened and let's move forward. No, you have to build a relationship and you have to build trust. So what we're doing is we're, we're trying to love every part of ourselves. And again, I talk about self-love quite a bit. And self-love is about loving every part of ourselves, including our wounded inner child. We can't pick and choose the parts we like and then still claim to love ourselves. No, we have to love all of us. Self-love requires taking ownership of the child you once were and making peace with it, merging the fragmented parts of yourself 
into one healthy union. So the first step toward healing the pain of the past is becoming aware of this wounded part of ourselves, this neglected child within. And being aware allows us to develop compassion for this innocent child, this innocent little boy or little girl. This acknowledgement allows us to understand and accept that what happened to him or her was not the, the child's fault. When we can show compassion for our wounded inner child, we can encourage him or her to come out of hiding, open up and share the pain they're feeling with us. That is what will ultimately heal to the child's healing and in turn your healing. To accomplish that, we have to gain some objectivity and wake up to the reality of how our childhood wounds are impacting us now. When we acknowledge this part of ourselves, we develop a deeper connection with ourselves as a whole and gain control over the reactions our wounded child triggers. This intentional way of living puts you in the driver's seat of your life. Once you are mindful of what exists within you, you can begin the process of healing it. You can show compassion to your inner child and tell the child that whatever happened was not his or her fault. The problem is that if we've never shown ourselves compassion before, it will not be easy to show it to our inner child. The wounded part of ourselves felt responsible then and still feels responsible now. There's always a part of us that thinks we deserve or, 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 or are responsible for what happened to us. And as I've said a million times, narcissistic abuse is a victimization syndrome, uh, situation, a victimization situation, which means that you had no part in it. And when you think about being a child and going through this, children don't have the wherewithal to process abuse. It causes them to create these coping mechanisms that are so destructive to them, but they serve a purpose in childhood because they protect you from going psychotic, because the environment that you're in is so horrific that you have to find a way to deal with it. An innocent child cannot deal with anger in the home. They can't deal with with being called names and humiliated and listening to everybody else in the family argue. Children are not equipped to deal with that. So they do different things. They dissociate. They shut it down. They hide, hide it behind a wall. They use humor. They do all different kinds of things to be able to deal with it. But what happens is these are not healthy coping mechanisms. Healthy coping mechanisms are taught to us by our parents. When we are children, little by little, little things that happen, we're taught how to deal with life. But narcissistically abused children are not. They do not know how to deal with life. So when you become an adult, 
you don't magically develop those skills. If they weren't put in there when you were a child, you do not have them now. And this can be scary because we, our pain of the past is something that we found some sort of solace in. We found it, it tells, it defines us. It's our story. And we don't know who will be without it. And that can be very frightening. And so what happens is that to get rid of all that, to really truly heal all that, means the bottom is going to drop out of your life and you're going to feel like you're in an abyss and not know where you are. It's like walking in the dark. And then what you do is you rebuild a healthy person, a re, rebuild a healthy self. That's what it's all about. You get rid of the things that you're clinging to, the toxicities and the pain that you're clinging to, and you rebuild a new life for yourself. You absolutely have the right to do that and the ability to do it. So, how do we do this reparenting thing? We begin to reparent our child by imagining the parent we wish we'd had. That is the parent your child needs now. And if you're a parent and you have compensated for what happened to you, I know that I have with my children. I changed the way I raised them. So I ended the legacy of abuse. So if you're doing that, you're able to see what your inner child really needs. He may be a great parent, but maybe not to yourself. So you begin to reparent your inner child by imagining the parent you wish you'd had. Because that's what your child needs. The child needs you to be strong for it, just as you hoped your parent would have been strong for you. Just as you hope they would stand up for you, they would advocate for you, that you had this solid person next to you as this innocent child, as this scared child, because children have fears, that you had this person to come to that would hold you and tell you it would be all right. That's what your inner child needs. Your child needs guidelines, needs you to teach the discipline, structure, and boundaries that were never learned. Our responsibility is to help our inner child become whole and functional. And that requires nurturing him or her, giving the child love, acceptance, safety, support, and the validation that the child never got. That's your job now. So I wanted to tell you about these meditations that I recommend, and I just need to sort of go into my email here and see where they are. So I'm just going to take take a look here real quick. Okay. Hmm. through my emails. 
recommended to me is a Hawaiian themed one called Hono Ho Ponapona. And the one that's really great on YouTube is the one by Dr. Hugh Lin, H-E-W-L-E-N. And Dr. Lin takes you through this process of really addressing that child. And I'll just read because I've written down some of the things that he says. But it's H-O- apostrophe O-P-O-N-O-P-O-N-A, Dr. Hugh, H-E-W-L-E-N. So look up that meditation on YouTube. So this is how he starts. Oh, for the first time in creation, I am acknowledging your presence in me. Oh, wow, this is the first time I am aware that you are part of me. I love you. I love you. Thank you for being a part of me. I am sorry. Please forgive me for all the accumulated memories that you experienced as sorrow, as grieving, as pain. Please allow me to stroke the top of your head with love and concern. I love you. Please forgive me for all the accumulated woes that you now have stored in you. I'm sorry if I have neglected you, if I have not taken care of you, if I have manipulated you. I'm sorry. So first you pet the top of the head and then you ask for permission to hold hands and hold shoulders and things like that. So it's really, really good. So I wanted to give you the other one I'm just doing a search here. Okay. The second one is by Michael Seely, S-E-A-L-Y, and it's called Hypnosis for Meeting Your Inner Child. And that is also on YouTube. So you can search just that exact thing, Michael Seely, Hypnosis for Meeting Your Inner Child. Michael has incredible guided uh, meditations and hypnosis on YouTube. There are so many of them, and his voice is beyond amazing. You will just get absorbed into it, and it's very, very soothing. So the two different meditations are very different. One is a little more active where you're participating. The other one is a little more guided where you're doing more listening. But they're both super effective. So I recommend that even if you don't, you're not sure that you have an inner child issue, that just check this out. Just take a look. Because when I sent this to my clients who come to me for coaching, it wakes them up to things that they didn't realize they had. So this is something really good for you. So that's what I wanted to tell you about today. So we're heading into the holiday of love. Love relationships are beautiful. But you have to understand what love truly is about. And love 
is not that tingly, exciting feeling, that heady feeling, that that feeling where you're addicted to that person. That is lust. That's an emotional high, but it's not love. And love settles into something that's very peaceful and very reliable, that you can trust that person. So if you're in a relationship and you find that that relationship has never settled into this comfortable place where you know that person is there for you and they know you're there for them and you're working on growth between the two of you, the growth, the change, if you feel like you've never really progressed since the initial arguments you've started with, something is not right here. And many of you listening have had narcissistic love relationships, partners, spouses. Some of you are still in them. Some of you are out of them. And you know what it feels like to be hurt emotionally by someone who was supposed to love you. So I want you to really understand what love is. And the last, I think I did, I put it up on YouTube, actually, about what love is, the truth about love, what real love is. I want you to listen to that because, actually, it's uh, probably the last show I did. So it wouldn't would have been uh, maybe January or February would be the show that I did. And I talk about, I really go through and I really take apart what love is and what love isn't. So that you can recognize the kind of relationship that you're in. I believed, as many of you do, that the more dramatic the love is, the more powerful it is, the more real it is. And we get that from childhood. We get that from seeing parents who yelled at each other, who called each other's name, called each other names all the time. They never got along. We see that. And so we think that love is dramatic. And that the more we fight and the more we work through these things, that is, that's love of the nth kind. That is the best kind of love. That is not, that's not what love is. Not to say that you don't have to work through issues with someone. When you meet someone new, you're two completely different people. You are going to have issues to work through. But there are ways to work through them that are not dramatic. There's actually an article on my website. Let me see what this one is called. Um, Give me a second. Let me find this. Well, of course, when I'm looking for things, I can never find them. But maybe I will as I'm talking. Anyway, this is a really, really good article. And it's a three-part article about... Here, let's see. Okay. It's a three-part article about how to fight fair, how to get along with your partner. 
And there are rules for how to fight fair. There are ways to get through this where you're respecting each other, where you're not hurting each other. So relationship conflict management, okay, that's what it's called. There's relationship conflict management part one, part two, and part three. These are really, really important for your relationships. They will enhance your relationships. They will help you to create happy, healthy love relationships. And you'll be able to see when you read these articles the things that you've done wrong with conflict management because there is a way to go about this. Some people just kind of know this. And it's not, as I said, it's not as if you will not have conflict with the person that you're in a relationship. You will. But there's a respectful way to do this, and there's a disrespectful way to do this. And when you do it in a disrespectful way or a hurtful way, it tears you apart. It doesn't bring you together. These are tools that will help you understand how to bring, it, how to bring each other closer. Now, when you're with a narcissist, rules don't apply. No matter how many rules you set for conflict management, they're not going to be followed. You know that because you've tried. You've tried every possible thing imaginable out there to bring this relationship closer and to bring the tone, the heat of it down. And you know that your narcissist is not going to respond to anything. So the meaning in that, what the take away from that is that if you have someone who you have tried all these things, you have really tried to work on this relationship in a healthy way. And through this article, you'll be able to see the guidelines of how to do this. And yet nothing changes. Well, that's a, a big red flag. That's a, that's a sign that this person has no interest in changing for you. No matter how much you want that to, to happen, it doesn't mean that it will happen. So you have to look at the writing on the wall if it's not really happening. If that person is not giving an inch and all you're doing is giving your all, you're holding up the whole relationship. If you didn't try, the whole thing would fall apart. If you're in a relationship like that, that's not very good. And I don't want you to be stuck in a relationship like that just because of your age or you think you're just never going to find anybody else or this is the greatest love of your life. The only reason it's the greatest love of your life is because this person who represented him or his or herself to you in the beginning was an actor. So, of course, you lived a movie. It was the greatest love story ever told. And you were one of the people in it. You were the recipient of this love. Nothing is ever going to feel like that now. You're right. So if you're looking for that, that's not going to happen because this isn't real. This isn't how love begins. Narcissists get us addicted to them through dopamine and oxytocin, brain chemicals that get us high. That's what they do. 
So we fall in love in the deepest, most impactful way. We are swept off our feet. That's not love. That's manipulation. And so what happens once that person changes? When that, when that person who you met initially goes away and the abuse begins, that is the person. But we tend to get that backwards. We tend to think that the person we had initially was the true person and the person that changed is not and that we try to get that original person back. That's never going to happen. That person did not exist. That's a really hard thing to wrap your head around because you could never behave that way. You could never do that. You don't know how to act like that, but narcissists are the best actors and actresses ever, Academy Award-winning actors and actresses. They can morph into any character. And the goal is to get you hooked. The goal is to get you to fall in love with them so that they can then have captive narcissistic supply. And the captive narcissistic supply is what we call relationships. But it's truly a hostage situation. It is not true love. And you're not in a relationship. A relationship is two people working towards the same goal, giving equal respect. Once the things, once everything changes and your narcissist becomes your abuser, that is the person. That's the real face of the person you are now involved with. And though it may change time to time because they may give you crumbs, this good, bad, intermittent reinforcement just to keep you hanging on. That We tend to hold on to those moments. We tend to hold on to the crumbs and forget about the rest of it. And one of the reasons we do that is because when we have a happy memory, when we have a memory that flares up our oxytocin and our dopamine, We remember it intact. You can remember everything about the beginning of your relationship. Everything, because it's a good, happy memory. And you remember it intact in detail. When you are abused, when you're being assaulted, your subconscious does not retain that memory as a solid memory. It's not intact. It is fragmented. So it's much easier to remember the good things than it is the bad things. So what I tell people to do, you know, I always say that narcissistic abuse is counterintuitive, and it truly is. What you would do in a normal relationship or to heal from a lost love relationship is completely opposite of what you will do in this situation when you're letting go of a narcissist, when you're trying to get an abuser out of your life. So we tend to want to think about the good things about this person because you must be a wonderful person or a narcissist would have not preyed upon you. That's just the bottom line. You have to be an incredibly wonderful person, a kind person, an understanding person. 
So your tendency is going to want to hold on to the good things about that person. You want to remember, you want to try not to forget what the good parts of this person were and try to hold on to that. Well, he can't be all bad. She can't be all bad because look, she did this and she did that. She is a good person. It's just me. I'm looking at this wrong. That's not true. The reason you're seeing it that way is because you're only remembering the good things. So what I want you to do, I really want you to focus on the bad things. I really want you to take your time and write out everything that's ever been done to you, every nasty word that's ever been said to you. Just take your time because as you begin to write these things, more and more will come up. And just begin to list it so that when you begin this fantasy life, this magical thinking about how wonderful this person was that for some reason you had to run for the hills to get away from, you look at this list and you say, oh, yeah, now I remember. Now I remember all the things that were done to me. So I want you to focus on the negative in this case. This is really important for your, it's the first stage of your healing. It's, it's about coming to acceptance because you have to accept this first before you can heal from it. When you deny the reality of what you've experienced, you cannot heal. So I want you to keep reminding yourself what you have been exposed to with the truth of your life has been with this person, how abusive this person has been to you over and over and over again, the horrendous things that were said to you, the times where you couldn't do anything right, the times when all decisions were made for you, and you never had a say. The times when this person said, I love you, and no one's ever going to love you like I love you, and then said something horrible to you right be, right after it. And you just hold on to the I love yous and you forget about the bad stuff. So I want you to focus on the bad stuff. First, when you do this, you will find eventually that you come to complete acceptance of what you were dealing with. And then you can begin the healing process. But not until... And the healing process, it can go very quickly, but the trick, the key to the healing process is to allow yourself to experience the pain. So we're, you know, going back to what we did as little children, our inner child. When the pain didn't feel good, we denied it. We suppressed it. We created defense mechanisms. That kept us unconscious. And therefore, by doing that, we are suffering today. So we don't want to repeat these patterns. We want to learn how to begin to cope with life and discomfort. And actually, this pandemic is the perfect time to do this because you're shut in. You can't go and keep busy. There's not that much to do. 
yeah, you may be able to go to the grocery store, maybe go to one location, but there's not much to do. So you're home, you're home with you. So this is a really, really good time to begin to allow this process to start. You're going to notice changes almost immediately. And the other thing is that if you're trying to get over a toxic love relationship, you can't keep getting texts from that person. You can't keep looking at texts. You can't look at emails. You can't reminisce with pictures. You've got to put it all away. You've got to make sure that you're not triggered by this person in any way. Because the second you see a picture of, this, of, of your loved one, your heart breaks. It's not going to work. Get off of social media. You don't need to see what this person is doing. I know you are curious. But it's not going to serve you well. So get off of social media. Stop looking. Stop looking at pictures. If you have any things around your apartment or your home that remind you of that person, put them away. Keep yourself in a place where that person is not there. They don't exist in your environment. You need this space, this bubble, this free, free space, this vacuum for a good, solid month, probably longer. But I like to start with a month because you can do that. You can say, all right, I'm going to do this for a month and then I'll go back to the way it was. That's fine if that's what you want to say, but the reality is you won't want to go back. But you can do this in bites. And if a month is too long, do it week by week. But you're going to notice the difference. When you avoid the triggers, and the trigger is just the knowledge of that person, just anything that reminds you of that person, because that's going to take you back into the the magical thinking, and that is not going to heal you. So what I want for you, let's just think of it as for Valentine's Day and for the year ahead, I want you to learn what love is. I want you to be able to love yourself, love others, and be loved in a healthy way. This will take a little bit of effort on your part, but probably not as much as you think. But you will need guidance. You will need support, as I tell you all the time. So I'm here for you. This is what I do with all my clients. And we, we really move through this very quickly with support. So if you are interested or thinking about consulting with me, you can contact me at my email, loveyourlife at randyfine.com, and just send me a message. I will do a free 30-minute consultation with you if that's what you want to do to start, just so you can get a feel of how quickly we can relieve the pain because you're going to notice it almost immediately. So give yourself that opportunity. Email me. Tell me you want a 30-minute free consultation. We'll go ahead and schedule it, and we'll begin, and you can see the difference. 
okay? So happy Valentine's Day to all of you. This can be a lonely holiday if you don't have a loved one with you, if you've broken up from a relationship, and everywhere around you, people are celebrating Valentine's Day. This can hurt. So try not to go out. Try not to look at these things. It's only one day. When you go to sleep that night, it'll be gone, and you won't have to worry about it again. It's only one day. So just try to do things that make you, make you happy on that day. Indulge yourself. Have a good time with you. Treat yourself really nice. Buy yourself flowers. Buy yourself chocolates. Be really, really nice to yourself. Love yourself. And you're going to get through this holiday just fine. And next year, you don't know. Things could be completely different. The picture can be completely different. Everything will change. So I want you to heal. That's my purpose for talking to you. That's my purpose for being here, for writing articles, for writing books. And just so you know, my book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, is going to be coming out in an audio version soon. It's, it's currently being recorded. And I found, as I was listening for errors in the recording, that it is so much more impactful when you listen to it. It impacted me a great deal. And I'm the one who wrote it. So think about that. That'll be coming out soon. And if you email me, tell me you want to be on my list so that you know when things like this are occurring. I'll put you on my email list because I send out newsletters, actually. And you'll be on it and you'll know what's happening. So email me at loveyourlifeatrandyfine.com. Give me your email address or ask for a 30-minute consultation. I would love to talk to you. Anyway, that's what I have to share with you today. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.